Welcome back to another episode of The Junction. All right, Chase, today we're talking about employee engagements. I'm really excited about this one. I've always felt very passionate about communications, keeping people in the loop, and just understanding the health of an organization. So let's just jump right into it. Yeah, people make organizations move. Without them, you really can't do a whole lot. I mean, unless you automate your entire business, which that'd be really impressive. Uh, But even then, you know, there's still one person involved. Right. We found that, like, to keep people engaged, you have to um, talk to them, right? You have to engage with them and see how how they're doing. And that's something that's really a, a struggle for maybe nerdy folks like us, right? We're just like, oh, I have to talk to you to figure that out. What do you mean? So Maybe for you, speak for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the ultra nerd. So one of the things we thought of and. I think this was a couple of years ago, was how do we kind of gauge employee sentiment in an automated fashion on a weekly basis so we could have uh, ongoing trends to figure out, like, well, Mel is not doing so hot this week, or she's been riding a high and all of a sudden she dropped real low. Something happened, right? Like that's a leading indicator for us to go have a conversation or for her manager or for her boss to come and say, hey, just wanted to check in and see how things are going. Well, and there's, as an organization organization grows, you go from being like shoulder to shoulder in an office, being able to maybe pick up on more physical cues like somebody's body language um, or just by virtue of being across the way from them, you can ask them how they're doing. But then there's also the, so as you start to scale, that gets harder. You also have organizations that have never had an office and they are completely remote. So that model doesn't really work. Um, But then you also have the level of anonymity, maybe even if you can attribute the survey response. So if you're like gauging how people are feeling week to week, there's maybe not the uh, comfort level to tap your boss on the shoulder Mm -hmm. or tell your coworker you're having kind of a crummy week or, you know, whether it's personal or work related, like there's just that level, that layer of, I don't know, yeah, kind of removes the awkwardness. Right. It's just like a, Hey, I'm not doing so hot, you know? And that's what we wanted to uncover. So every Friday, I think at noon in Slack, each employee gets a message and it asks, uh, how was your week, right? And there's kind of three options. I think it's good, meh, and bad. And of those three, you're, you you pick one, right? And the thought is that you every week you just pick one. And there's not like a underlying uh, tone behind it, like, oh, Mel picked bad every week, you know? Um, but the thought is that, like, we want that, that's a way for you to uh, let us know that, hey, maybe something's up. Raise your hand. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. And even if you don't, I've seen it before too, where, I don't know, I kind of fall into the, I can always find something good in my week category, but I've oh, yeah. started to really like, we look at this every week, at least as a leadership team to sort of gauge, especially if we have, we've actually noticed a trend when we do certain employee engagement type activities, we've got a bunch of green. We never have like a red and yellow, not never, but rarely. Right. And you see things that you would come to expect. Like if there is a outage or something that requires folks to work more irregular hours or longer hours that may take them, you know, outside of the bounds of comfort. And 
we, we see, oh, there's a bunch of people who are yellow this, this past week and we understand why. Yeah. So there's definitely some things that you may not um, be surprised by, but it's really nice for the ones that you are. Right. Well, it's great. It's great because this automation is so simple, right? What we haven't done is put 50 questions in front of people and ask for 50 different types of answers. The goal is just to get an overall engagement. And part of the process, though, is is at least what we talk about is there's people, process, and technology. A lot of folks, I've been probably on LinkedIn too much lately, and a lot of folks love to focus on one thing, right? Like, well, let me focus on the technology. Let's talk about ChatGPT. Let me focus on why it's really important to get this process understood. Nobody really talks about the people. And if they do, they're only talking about the people. It's all of these things combined that help you understand that employee engagement from kind of that leading indicator path that we're going on. So this tool, I think, has been in place for years or this process, right? And it's helped us uncover uh, things for managers where the manager maybe isn't fully wrapped in, right, or read in on what what's going on with that individual person. And it just gives us that nudge like you were talking about, like, mm, Mel just put in red, like, maybe you should go have a conversation with her and see what's going on. The, the What we're not trying to do, though, is figure out, like, well, why was she red? Well, let's figure that out. You know, maybe yeah, you're not taking the, you're not automating that piece of it. We're, there's a balance. The technology has enabled us to... Um, pay attention. And now the, if we're not already, and then the human element of engaging with that person, whether it's over Slack or picking up the phone or taking them to coffee to say, Hey, I'm noticing a trend or I saw that acknowledging that they flagged an irregular response and now opening up a dialogue and hopefully you can get to a path of resolution or alleviate you know, the stressor is particularly if it is work or task related. Right. Well, in the beginning and still today, we want we want to be an organization that we want to work for, right? Like I don't want to come up on Sunday and I'm like, oh, I got to go back into work. Um, but this I feel like is probably a common thing across other organizations. You threw a, an article from Fortune in here that the title is too many CEOs don't know what their workers need employee engagement surveys can make that problem even worse. And I think as I read this article, what kind of stuck out to me was that most folks just want you to be doing good and they don't want to deal with the fact that you're not doing good. You know, like I don't care if Mel's red, forget it. Just make her happy, right? So we can keep trucking down the road. And that's the problem, you know? And then it's like, well, let's just throw more surveys at them so we can try to figure out what's wrong. Or worse, the... Companies that do one annual survey a year with the 50 questions that you're talking about. I've never worked for an organization like that. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of collecting feedback, so I don't want to knock a survey. And given this circumstance, I mean, I just went through one the other day that was more customer facing and I stepped through, I don't know how many pages. I'm towards the end, I'm a little like, okay. You've collected all of my feedback as your customer. I did it. I think I do it because I'm in marketing and I know how much the marketer on the other end of that is super excited to get that insight about their customer. Did you also connect your bank account and tell them your DNA sequence and your blood type? I'm not supposed to do that. No. (laughs) (laughs) But, But in all seriousness, so these companies collect 
they ask a ton of questions at the end of the year, and then it usually takes months to present it to the leadership team or the board, and then they collect those insights. They, uh, the HR team works with your communications team or something, then they roll out a series of communications and direct touch plans between manager and staff, and it takes a long time to act on it. Yeah, it's, it, it's indicative of the fact that they haven't, built out processes behind all of these things, right? It's like, well, let's just ask them a bunch of questions. In fact, in the search and fortune article, you know, one, uh, uh, for instance, it says a poorly worded question might ask, do you feel management supports your professional development? I've seen that question in lots of surveys that I'm taking in. Um, and it's like, well, if, if they were really worried or wondering about that, like, wouldn't you focused on focus on connecting with me directly and just asking like, well, we, we went and did a lot of things together, right? Do you feel professionally supported? It's like, it's kind of like the, uh, you've lost touch, right? If I have to ask you that, then I don't really know you or I'm not really, I don't understand how you, um, as a person are affected by the organization and the work that we do. And if I don't have that, well, yeah, a survey might help me out, but I'm already, I'm already a step behind, right? Like if I have to go read the paper to figure out how Mel feels about it, We've already lost. I worked for an organization years back that we partnered with a, uh, he was a founder at the time, his name is Steven Huerta, shout out to him. He started a company called Workify and he took this principle of we need to collect uh, feedback in smaller, more like regular pulses. And so it could be a weekly thing, then they would have quarterly pulses and then you would do sort of an annual roll up. But they really emphasized the fact that you don't have to tackle all of these issues or things at once in one big survey. Let's focus on one area of the organization that you want to tap into or don't understand, um, or you want to engage or understand the employee engagement scores there. And then we can take those little bit of insights and roll out small iterative changes and then do the same thing with different topic areas. So uh, that's one way that I've seen it done very well. And that was, I mean, that was many, several years ago. And now I I don't know, I'm sure there's other newer capabilities within that platform itself. But then also I just actually did a Google search on uh, AI tools for employee engagement. And there's this list of seven at, on some random blog article that I pulled up. And it, so these things are out there. And so there's, you don't have to go build a Slack integration like we've done. I, we actually built our own tool. How yeah. does it work? Is it built in Salesforce? Break it down for me. Yeah, I'll break it down for you. Wicka, wicka, wicka. No? Man, <laughs> I'm definitely never going to be cool. <laughs> we, uh, we took Salesforce and uh, another tool called Workato, which are big partners of, and obviously Slack. And so between those three, there's, um, there's a chatbot type functionality inside of Workato where we can pose questions to all of the active employees, right? So we uh, have people come in the door, right? We need to add them in. It'll automatically do that. It'll ask them the question every Friday. Um, if they don't respond, it actually asks them again. It kind of bumps the question. I think it's on Sunday. When they do respond, we've got a data model inside of Salesforce that it then attaches that to their, their uh, we call it a resource record, right? So you have, every time I've ever answered that question, you have that record. We go way As long back. as I've been here. Yeah. 
three years for every time that I've said good, good, or bad. Yep. All the way going back. You know, and I kind of get the sentiment even from you talking that it's, uh, you know, it's kind of big brothery, like, oh, wow, like how much data are we tracking? But let me ask you, you know, there was a thought, I think there was like right when COVID was coming around and people were going all remote and they were taking three and four jobs and or maybe quiet quitting. Like how much data is too much? They, you know, if I'm if I, if we've got data going back three years on your three responses, like could, should we could we maybe not use um, the sentiment in your calls, right? The transcripts. Let's start with the data that you have going back three years of just asking me how my week was. I actually think that that's no on the Big Brother. I think that's fantastic because can we get to a place where there's more? Can you predict? Maybe there's like seasonal. I don't think I do this, mm. okay? But I, I, again, I generally feel like I can find something good in my day. I try to answer honestly if it's been a little bit of a hairdo of a week or something that to just try to flag it from a maybe I'm drowning and I haven't been good about communicating with my manager about it. But I do think that that's really neat because you can take, it takes a lot of data for these models to learn on, to train on. Yeah. And it's just one simple indicator. Now you start getting into listening to calls. I think that's a really interesting point. We've talked about that in the context of sales calls. And we've talked about that in the context of recruiting. Now you're talking about it in the way of how is Mel feeling this week or last week or um, three times a year she (laughs) hits a wall, you know, like it, Maybe. I don't know. I think that's an intro. It seems like an awful lot of data, though. And what about the employee that never gets on calls? Like, you, right. we do have some team members that are um, not all customer facing, or they may have three to five hours of more like internal meetings a week. That, uh, well, we've talked about this before. Like, maybe we judge how many emails this person sent. And it does, I wish I had that article in front of me because it talks about how some of these bigger orgs are watching, like, well, how many times did you log in? How many emails did you send? How many phone calls did you have? Like, even with present sensors, like in the buildings, right? They they walk through the door. Like, I'm sure there are organizations that are going way too far down this to just collect a bunch of data and then figure out, right? But I keep going back to, in all of our discussions, it's about the people, the process, the technology, if you have way too much technology, like people are already kind of lost in the weeds, right? You already you lost. You already lost. Right. And it's going back to this focus of well, what what is employee engagement? Right. It's ensuring that the employee uh, wants the job, they get it, and that they enjoy it. Right. That they're actually learning. And all of these things that we've talked about, right? If you're going to automate them, or you're going to add some level of AI, some kind of sentiment analysis, like those are easy things to think about. It's a lot harder to think about, um, at least for me, kind of being the nerdy guy, right? Like, well, let me sit Mel down and let me have a one-on-one conversation and ask her these really difficult questions. Because now I'm already like, like, let me just let me just tech it. Let me just throw some surveys at her and, and figure out what happens. So, well, okay. So let's step back for anyone listening. If you're not already doing maybe something like a weekly pulse check, something that has worked really well for our organization. We also look at, you know, we, we are a professional services organization, so we do track times. So we look at 
hours logged. And so that paired with, you can look at multiple data points. So if you can see someone was red and they worked 62 hours last week, then you have data to lead your conversation. Yeah. Those are, these things I don't think should ever just be used in silos. So we're big on that, connecting the data. So, but right now, none of this beyond the us receiving a time submission from the team member and receiving the, I'm feeling this way this week. The rest of it is a manual. We look at it as a team via a Salesforce report. Yeah. And then we act on it. So if you're not already doing it, maybe consider that and then take it a step further with, can we combine some of these things to maybe do like a roll up score um, that can help us be a bit more proactive in how we lead our teams and lead our people. Yeah, I agree. Mel, actually I have a question for you. I'm looking at the data and this indicates that you have never been read in the three years that you've worked here. Tell me the secrets. How do you never, uh, how are you never read? I mean, I'm in marketing. It's really fun. <laughs> well, I'm looking at mine and, um, your data I think is that's pretty a clean. Lie. I've never had a red. You've never had a red. I'm looking at mine and I've had in the three years that you've worked here, you've haven't had a red. And this actually only this goes back to twenty twenty one. February twenty twenty one. That's accurate. I mean I'm I yeah. started late twenty twenty. I had I've had one, two, three, four red weeks up until last week. I think it's gotta be pretty like scorched earth, something is nuclear. I'm just like, I'm not wanna, even making it to work. I don't think I, I want to be here that week <laughs> that happens. Uh, I don't know. I'm also like a 10 on the logic for the culture index. So you might not even know mm. that I'm feeling that way. Mm. <laughs> Covert. Yeah. I don't have a secret to that. But again, I do think it points to the fact that you can look at three years worth of data on me and say, generally, maybe that means I have a, maybe you can look at someone's threshold for certain things, right? Yeah. And you kind of can see even through certain times, I'm not trying to like pump myself up here, but right. there, maybe there is that. And there's also probably just a little bit of level of, I know after the first time I put meh, my manager reached out to me and I didn't know that the team looked at this every week at that time. And I was like, oh, they know. <laughs> they know. So if I put meh or bad, Someone's going to talk to me. So, I mean, just keep those things into consideration. I think it's none of this. You shouldn't roll this out and not tell the team why. That starts to feel big brother. You have to remind your teams, we're doing this so that we can continue to gauge the the health and well-being of our organization. It doesn't replace one-to-one managerial conversations. It does not replace you feeling like you can come in and tell me that you're having a crap week. But... It's a tool for us to look at the organization as a whole, along with other data sets, timesheets, events, um, outages, just a variety of things and be able to see, you know, how those things impact us and then lead our teams well through it. What What's really interesting about this is you can see the trend for a specific person, right? And so I don't know what that individual was going through in that moment, but I do know that it kind of dips down and then it dips back up. I wish we could do like a marker the way that you you have in SEMrush, you oh, know, with like yeah. Google Analytics. You yeah. could kind of be like, this event happened Boom. here. Not to say that to necessarily attribute it to that, right, right, but right. 
That would be interesting. Because if you saw like a spike or a flag, you could kind of point on the record, well, there was this particular change. Right. Well, that I mean, it would be... It would be nice to utilize the data beyond what we're already doing to further define, hey, in this moment, this thing happened. And because of that, you know, three of the product dev, dev folks, right, were not feeling so hot. Be like, well, we probably shouldn't do that again. You know, whatever that thing was. Whatever that thing was. Yeah. I think that's really insightful. All right. Well, let's go on to headlines. I love this part. So... IBM says 40% of the global workforce will have to learn new skills over the next three years due to AI implementation. This headline feels a little like re- rinse. Rinse and repeat? Yeah. Same stuff, what different makes day? This, what makes this one new? You know, I've, I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out um, how AI right, is going to change our world. You know, there's a ton of hype at the beginning of the year and now it seems to be trailing down. But I do believe that what is already in place, like with ChatGPT, right, is going to accelerate your productivity to a level that prior to any of this, right, wasn't there. And so if you don't keep up with what's going on, even with just like regular old prompting, regular old, like it's been around forever, but if you don't keep up with like ChatGPT and how it can expedite some of the things that you're doing, well, you're going to be behind the person that is, right? Before you go off of that, how does one keep up? That's such a broad term. Mm. Should they? I've heard some suggestions around enrolling in classes. I know I personally try to register for webinars on these topics, but what's a good way for someone to actually? gain a skill set or understand basic principles principles beyond listening to the junction and attending yeah. a webinar and you know what other suggestions do you have I, I actually just figured this one out recently my LinkedIn feed has been terrible forever and I've really haven't ever enjoyed LinkedIn beyond like you know the Rolodex but I realized that it's because I've never really kind of like massaged my filter, the people that I follow and the topics that I'm in and the groups that I'm in. And I just recently started doing this and it made me realize that I've been doing LinkedIn all wrong. Um, but there are, to answer your, your question. algorithm's whack because you <laughs> haven't been in there <laughs> oh, totally. liking like, and engaging. And, oh, totally. Yeah. I'm like the worst social media guy ever. Um, but I've started following people that are in relevant topics that are interesting to me, right? And now all of a sudden my feed is a little bit more exciting. Um, it's opened up a whole new world. Oh, totally. Well, this is like if you want to get involved in understanding how AI is changing the world, go follow some people out there that are at the top of that list. And I'm going to call out a name only because I recently found him. His name's Ruben Hasid. Hopefully I got his name right. But uh, looking through his story, it was m- almost a year ago when he started doing LinkedIn and posting chat GPT videos and how to's and all these things that you can do with this stuff. And while most of it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, I could figure out how I would use that in my work, the, his thought process, right? Like how he does these things, how he's connecting the dots. His video, I think from today is taking YouTube names from YouTube, executing some, uh, uh, not necessarily code, but he's just doing something unique to get the titles. He's putting that in Google Sheets, and then he's uh, pasting all that in the ChatGPT to get the most viral 
um, to generate the, a viral YouTube video name, right? But, and the, the topics are pretty, I mean, like the response from GPT is pretty good. And I mean, I'm not posting tons of YouTube videos and I'll never have a hundred million, you know, people following me, but. Not with that kind of attitude. <laughs> you're right. I'm starting today. Um, but what he does is it, it's the, it's the combination of those where he takes ChatGPT, Google Sheets, this kind of browser, I'll call it a hack, but it's not, it's not really a hack, but he's combining all three of those to expedite this one thought process of if you were trying to name your YouTube video in a way that was most SEO viral friendly, right? If you did this, like you would expedite how fast it would take you. It, it would be so much faster because of this. And that's where I think a lot of people are kind of missing the boat on this, at this AI stuff is that it's not just ChatGPT. You have to connect ChatGPT to your data, to these other programs to, to accomplish this one thing. And that's really challenging. So the next headline is, what if generative AI turned out to be a dud? You know, sometimes I wonder that myself. Um, in, in playing with ChatGPT and Anthropic's chatbot, um, you kind of wonder, like, is this going anywhere? And I think there's um, probably a sentiment, especially if you've read this article, like, okay, that was cool, you know, it, like, didn't really help me, but, uh, you know, it, all right, whatever. I'm going to go back to my work. Um, but I think what people are missing is the is the idea that it's not just ChatGPT. It's all of these other things in combination, right, that are going to help you be more productive, to be a better person, to solve these problems faster, like you name it. And we've only got kind of one piece of the pie right now. When you look at ChatGPT, it's like, Generative content. That's kind of what people have kind of honed in on, right? HubSpot has ChatSpot. We've seen some of this with like kind of email generation. Everybody's kind of focused on, well, let me write the email for you. What people aren't focused on is is what this guy, like I was talking about earlier, what Ruben's doing, and he's connecting multiple platforms to then do something really unique. And that's probably the biggest challenge because we're also focused on just one part of that people process technology. We're just focused on one thing, not all of them. You talked about in an earlier episode that there's a lot of people using it to do things faster, but they're not using it in the way that gets them insights that they wouldn't otherwise have. So I think that's kind of where you're going with connecting more applications. It's like supercharging those insights that you may not get from just connecting applications or even doing it manually? Yeah, I, I think what I've found is that it's not it's not going to be, at least in today's models, what we have access to right now is not something that is going to do something totally un new and unique. Like it's not going to go figure out how to bust the stock market and make you a billionaire overnight. But what it can do is it can help you uh, replicate things that you're already doing manually, Right. Or maybe things that you haven't tackled because, you know, it would take you a very long time to do it. Right. Like the transcripts, right? We're taking the pod, the podcast transcripts, we're dumping them in there, and we're having it generate the topics. Okay, well, that's not, I mean, I don't think that's ne necessarily revolutionary, but it's the time that you've now saved, so you don't have to go back and do that yourself. Right. Those are the, like, forget the transcript piece and pulling out the topics. It's that idea that I can utilize this thing to do something that I was already doing to speed up 
what I was doing before. One of the things that this article also points out, um, they actually pull in a tweet from someone saying, I've been using ChatGPT for half a year and I really don't see any valuable use for it. I'm kind of disillusioned. My friends feel the same way. I think I've seen this a little bit in my, some of my more like personal circles, professionally working for a technology consulting firm that specializes in automation. There's a lot of urgency around this here internally right now to understand how can we use AI? How can we adopt it? How can we roll it out? How can we deliver on it for our clients? Um, Whereas I'm seeing a disconnect just in kind of my personal life. Like people aren't even using it. I'm like, you can, you know, you can go out and just do this just a little bit faster or a little bit better. And I don't know if you've seen the similar thing. Like, are we feeling it because of the industry that we're in? And there's still a ton of people out there that don't have a ton of urgency around understanding how it works and why they should adopt it. Um, I, I kind of see a little bit that of that in my personal life. Um, but that's primarily because people don't fully understand what chat GPT can even do. Right. Like there's a, and there's a lack of education on that front. And the people that do have kind of figured out at least with this one tool, it can do some cool things. It can do some tips and tricks and, you know, help me out. But it's not like for me as an individual, something that is completely revolutionary. I'm going to go start up a new business and automate the whole thing. Right. Like it can help you write some text. And that's what I think most folks kind of feel like. I read something the other day that reminded me of it was an article around SEO and how, you know, that's this whole don't sleep on ChatGPT marketers because that's where it's going. It's basically your next Google search. It was kind of what was happening with TikTok. We started exploring should we be on TikTok and we were for for some time. And it was the, the use case or the compelling use case for me was we want to be where our audience is. And so if they're searching on how do I integrate Salesforce and HubSpot, we wanted to at least be in that conversation right. on that platform. Right. So there's, a, I, I definitely see a generation of people that will eventually be using ChatGPT the way that we use Google today. I would say that I probably use OpenAI more within the work context, and I never think about it outside of work, like other than if it comes up in a conversation. But the other night I was trying to, I don't frequently use recipes. I just kind of prefer to cook by feel. And and I went to Google to understand, you know, how do I do this thing? I could have totally punched it Mm. into ChatGPT and, and, you know, you should do it tonight. I should. I'm going to go home and do that. So I don't know. That That's where I'm kind of seeing it going. Like there's just this still this huge gap. We keep saying adopt it, learn it. It's not going away. But then I'm seeing this disconnect in these in my more personal circles. And I'm trying to figure out for the person out there listening that hasn't played around with these yeah. tools, where should they start and why? I think that's I think that's totally fair. Um, and I, I think it's primarily because chat GBT not not the OpenAI's large language model is not going to exponentially increase your organization's um, processes on its own. You have to connect it with something else, some sort of data source, some sort of roping it into some level of automation or integration. 
and then you'll start to see that that exponential value. One of the things that people don't talk about a lot right now, and I think it's mainly because it's very much a coding thing, is that through the API you can give uh, the the model access to a function, right? So the in the documentation, what it refers to is like uh, here's a function that allows you to um, type in the city, and in in the function we'll just return the the temperature right now, right? So if you pass that in and let uh, OpenAI open AI, in the API call know that it now has access to this function, right? What's the city? And it'll spit back, spit back the, the temperature. It'll then say, well, let me, like as a system message to itself, let me query what the temperature is in Dallas. Well, it's like a million degrees, right? 110 yesterday. 110. We're not well here. I don't know when this episode is going to come <laughs> out, but we're, we're recording it. We're in, melting in while the we chat. Of summer. It's awful. But it takes it take it knows that it has access to this kind of uh, program, right? And then it pulls that 110 out, and now it responds to the user with real time information, right? It says, "Hey, Chase, the temperature in Dallas is 110." What's well, it's these functions that are going to exponentially increase the value of GPT for for your organization. And part of that disconnect is, well, now I have to code something, right? And it's no longer chat. So. I think it's going to take some time for this to be a real big deal, but it's there now. So um, understanding how it works uh, to begin with without the functions is probably the, the thing that you should focus in on. It's all good insight per usual. All right. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. Employee engagement automation can't do it without the people. People, process, and technology, that's what we're all about. So thanks for tuning in. As always, if you have a question, comment, or if there's a topic out there that you would like to see covered on a future show, please email us at thechunction at ventechnology.com. In the meantime, keep it automated. <laughs>